Employee experience is a priority because it drives retention, engagement, and ultimately business growth. Yet turnover keeps rising because traditional approaches to improving experience are too narrow. SAP Success Factors helps you expand your strategy and redefine employee experiences from every angle. You can capture in-the-moment insights from employees across multiple interactions, then link them with operational data to see what is happening in your workforce and understand why. You can break down system barriers using intelligent technology to integrate experiences within HR and across the business. And you can proactively tackle the toughest challenges like diversity, inclusion, well-being, and more. With SAP Success Factors, you can deliver comprehensive, unexpectedly exceptional experiences that keep employees engaged and keep your business growing. Hey guys, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. You've probably noticed that there have been some advertisements recently in the podcast after a long time of no advertisements. So while this might be slightly annoying for you to have to listen to and maybe contemplate skipping, I just want to let you know that we're able to fund this podcast through the partners we source and secure, enabling us to bring you these incredible women and this awesome podcast. So please keep listening and supporting and sharing, and I hope you stay inspired. We are celebrating our one-year anniversary, and with that, we want to invite a lucky listener into the studio with us. So if you can, on your stories, tag at RM Superwomen and at Rebecca Minkoff, a screenshot that you've downloaded, that you're sharing the episodes, that you're just telling anyone about the podcast that enters you, you must live in New York City or want to fly here, and we'll pick you out of the crowds. You can come watch a podcast happen in real life. Today's guest on Superwomen is Laura Brown, currently the editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine. I think InStyle Magazine is known throughout the entire universe as one of the most incredible fashion magazines there is. Before that, she was at Harper's Bazaar. And what I love about Laura is she's strong, she's powerful, and man, she gets what she wants. And to top it off, she's really, really, really funny, and I love her sense of humor. Take a listen to Laura Brown on Superwomen. So this is a one-off because we're in Laura Brown's office, the editor-in-chief oh, yes. of InStyle. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yes, yes, you're here where, where all the magic happens. I'm looking at a, a cover of Miss Aniston, which is gorgeous. Yes, I'm, I'm staring at six covers of Jennifer Aniston and one cover of uh, Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird. So it's for the beauty issue and it's the, I just think it's the most perfect mix of ladies, so which is what I try to do at the old in style. So yes, this is October issue and then we have to do November and then December and then January and February and we just have to keep doing it. It's a lot. It's exhausting. Can we go back to when yes. you were a young a young lady? Oh, a young lady. Yes. And I was much of a lady, but I was certainly young. <laughs> <laughs> Can you start telling me what made you want to get into magazines? Uh, yes. I always say delusions of grandeur. So you thought you were going to be in the limo no, with everything? No, it wasn't even that. It was like more just like I wanted to be. No, I didn't want to like, you know, you know, I was like nine years old. I didn't know there was such a thing as a Hamptons house or anything. But like I wanted to be in it. I wanted to be like where the fashion was happening and where the glamour was and where the movies were. And, and it was because I was brought up in Australia. And in Australia when I was a kid, which was like kind of, you know, late, early 80s, we didn't have internet, we didn't have anything. And so everything was sort of happening somewhere else. And that's a blessing in the curse of Australia, you know, and especially what's well, changed, obviously, completely now with internet, and social media and everything else. But it was so I was sort of hungry for an experience or to be close to things that I found glamorous, I guess. And not in a, again, a cliche glamour. I think glamour was 
being able to see something with your own eyes when it sort of happened and see creativity kind of manifest itself on a, on a big stage. And we just didn't really have that. So for me, it was just like, I've got to, I've got to be part of it. So I would get all the magazines, I'd buy all the, the Vogue's and the Harper's Bazaars that would, you know, which, which came in like three months late. Um, to Australia then, and uh, and just was obsessed with the most supermodels and all all of that. Or like early, geez, hang on, was it maybe early W magazines? Yeah. We didn't really get InStyle down there. I don't know that I remember anyway. But that was no. When I InStyle started, I was in my last year of college, so I didn't. I wasn't quite in that like dreamy childhood idea of of InStyle. But I just and I'd read them and I would just sort of go away in my head too whatever this place is now, <laughs> to this glamorous office. So you moved when? How old were you when you moved? Moved to New York. Yeah. Um, I moved, so I went, I did a stint in London for like two years, came back, and then I moved to London. What, where am I? New York. On, um, I was 27. Okay. And I moved here on September the 4th, 2001. Ooh. Thank you. Thank Oof. you. Master <laughs> of strategy here. It's okay. Um, my, my first fashion show was September 10th, 2000. The one you, of your own? My first. It was like a group show. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I feel your sister. And I remember because I was at, I hustled my way somewhere. My friend, Libby Calloway, she was the editor, fashion editor of the New York Post at the time, and she'd kind of taken me and we'd met in Australia. And we went to the Mark Jacobs show on the 10th night. And it was, I just remember it, it was like this sort of like, Dionysian feast it was the most incredible like fashion show on this pier and these walls came apart and there was this whole Greek like it was just the most luxurious amazing thing I'd ever seen I remember just like seeing like Rosanna Arquette or something I just was beside myself and I'm at this I'm like I'm here I'm in New York and I'm at the, the fashion show of fashion shows and I've had a bit of champagne and I'm wobbling around and and, and I was like I, 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 I got it and then the next morning I know you know, it was over yeah so but I never wanted to look again. Lucky enough, I didn't lose anyone. Was not you know I, I cannot complain about any you know I cannot mention any of that. But I did I just arrived. My poor mother was like because you know her, obviously horrendous it was on TV from Australia. It looked like World War Three. Oh yeah, you know. And my mom was like, "Get out of there! Your bags are still packed. You can come home." And I was like, "I'm like in Gristidi's, like buying some tuna." <laughs> and I'm like. Uh, no, I'm here now, but I never wanted to. Never wanted to go. I just was in it, you know. And had you already started working in magazines at that point, or you had just I, moved? And I just you were moved. in a seat. No, I was in magazines before. I okay. I'd started in magazines at home. I I was two, probably about yeah about six years. I had been since I was about twenty. Two years in Australia, two years in two years ish in London, two years back in Australia, then here. So I had a bit of um, I moved here because I had some like it's like a foreign journalist visa. It's called like you you do work from outside the country. They'll let you come to the country if your work is from Australia or da da da. So I did that until I got my first um, sponsorship, which was for W Magazine. W Magazine hired me as a senior editor in two thousand and two, I think, and um, forever grateful to them because they made an honest woman of me. I mean like. Jesus, I think about people needing to get, like, working visas now with this administration. It's, oh, it's terrifying. Impossible. So I'm very glad that I was earlier. And, um, yeah, so then I just kind of just got going. I worked at, no, before W, I worked at, like, Freelance for Talk magazine for, like, six weeks until that closed down. And it just was like, what? And the first few months were just, like, a dream sequence. I was like, did that happen? Did that happen? Oh, that wasn't very good, was it? Like, just over <laughs> again. And I used to have a roommate on St. Mark's Place who we were like in a 
double level um, apartment and she had to like walk, I was upstairs, she had to walk through my room to go to the bathroom. I mean, I know the things life. we do. Yeah. I, know, I walked through my friend's bedroom to get to the bathroom yeah. and what, you know, she was still a virgin. I remember the first <laughs> night she was losing her virginity and I had to like walk, you had to walk through. through. I like held it as long as I could, but I was like, <gasps> girlfriend, I got to pee. It was so very did awkward. They, did they, they just, just stopped. stopped. <laughs> yes. And I was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Not awkward it's at all. Well, the we things do. we do how, in the big glamorous. city, you guys. Mm-hmm. So you obviously see on your Instagram, yes, uh, everything the glamorous side of this job. I would love to hear. Yes, I would love to hear the the not glamorous side. The well, the this I is think, hard. I think you know what's interesting is in a weird way it's somewhere in the middle because the people. I would say if all the fancy people, the shiny people, I call them, if, if they're all ducks on a pond, right? I've always been able, luckily, to sort of see the legs moving, like to see what, you know, every person I know who's a celebrity has had something happen to them, of course. Like they've had marriage or fertility or body issues or stardom or lack of stardom. And there's always something that I, I, I look at and I go, I, I have a lot of respect and love for a lot of the people that I've met and work with, but I don't envy anyone. And I think that that's important that I want to put out there more. It's not necessarily like, this is glamorous and amazing and wowie wowie. They go and put their, their clothes on for a red carpet and they've got to make sure they look cute in their dress. And then they get bombarded by questions and they get off the red carpet and they go and promote all this stuff and they get paid a lot of money. Great. They get free stuff. Great. Uh, they have a nice house. Great. They get followed everywhere they go forever. I wouldn't say that's super great. So I think that that part. But, yeah, no, I think that the, that's the doing of the work of putting a magazine together is it's a lot of work. And especially when when you propel it, you are the editor-in-chief, you are a producer, but you're also a, also a host, Kind of, it's like you're going to make it happen, but you also got to be like, this is the greatest. So you're you know? on. Oh yeah. That's why At the I end of the day, you sleep a lot. Yeah, I mean, I go to bed for like if, I, if there's not eight hours on the clock, I will weep, um, <laughs> openly weep. But I, because I'm, I sort of hurtle around. I have this sort of idea that, and I can't do it all the time. But if you shot for me, I shot for you. And especially, we just had our um, uh, 25th anniversary issue come out for September, and I asked a bunch of former cover stars to uh, do a shoot, do it, uh, sitting for us in an interview. And and 15 of them said yes, which is beyond. And I was like, fine, okay, if you are going to do that for me, I'm going to interview each and every one of you. So I was like like an octopus being like, Cameron Diaz, Kerry Washington, Reese, Michelle Pfeiffer, Meg Ryan, what have you learned? How have you changed? Okay, thank you. Anyway, next one, you know what I mean? But it was like, I have to do that because, and Reese was like, you're mad, like interviewing. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, she can talk. She works her ass off too, you know? So... That that's really important to me, and I'm also in a constant state of sort of overexcitement. Like, like if I want to, you know, I mean, as soon as like after the soccer, after World Cup, I was like, Megan Rapino is un- unbelievable, and I was, you know, learning about Sue, and I was like, I want to get those guys for the beauty issue for all the reasons that that is beautiful. And so for for them to say yes, and we just then we hustle, we go, okay, we got to do this in Seattle in eight days. And we all go and we do it. And then it comes back and we're just so proud. We're like, because you've got to be reactive. Right. And I think a lot of other folks in this industry aren't particularly. And it's fine. I find it very weird that you can't just like, yeah. you got you got you got to hustle a little bit. But yeah. And then I'm also like, you know, if somebody says yes to who has been a hero of mine in the magazine, I'm just so excited. I'm like, I've got I've to go. Yeah. I've got to go to the shoot. And I'm like, shit, I can't go everywhere because of my just health, <laughs> health <laughs> you know? or any personal and life yeah, you might want to yeah. have. 
But it's, I do, and when you do something great, you can surf on that for weeks. Like when we were putting together the anniversary issue, we did this thing called 25 Dresses, or sorry, it's called Iconic, but we called it 25 Dresses, which was taking some of the most famous red carpet dresses of the last 25 years. And I was like, well, to make that interesting and like modern, we wanted to put it on models now and put them in the streets and and do that. And as, as the film was coming in, we were all just like, oh, like we just knew Soul it was food. good. Yeah, we just knew it was good. And we were like, and I, that old fashioned pleasure of like printing out your layouts and looking at them on the floor or like mixing them around or getting out a pair of scissors, you know, and like making an image or changing an image. It's it's so old fashioned and it's so wonderful. And it's also what actually will help everybody survive, you know, is actually the old fashioned things, telling a story, creating an image, putting it out there. It's not about your SEO or your ac- digital acronym XYZ. That's all fine. But if you don't have have the idea and you don't have that little, then you know, nowhere. Totally. Yeah, nowhere. So I feel very, very strongly about that. And I actually said that I was um, profiled for this Australian magazine and the writer put it really well. She said, um, print is the queen and digital's the carriage she rides on. Mm, I and I thought that. that was really absolutely true. So it's like, I really love to make magazines. And I also say, What's Instagram? It's a magazine, guys. Right. Like, you know, it's not... When I first got here, my old bosses at Time that you can't call it a magazine, you have to call it a brand. I'm like, dudes... It's a magazine. It's a magazine. It's all right. A magazine can be literally on your phone or it can be sitting on my desk. Right. Doesn't matter. Right. You know, a brand always sounds like... Like you're going to slap InStyle on the side yeah, of some or, sunglasses. Yeah. It just doesn't <laughs> sound as personal. It doesn't right. sound as, as sort of uh, invested. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what is your brand? I, like, I don't have a brand. Like, you know, I just always find, I find that the most, one of the least human mm-hmm. uh, words. So I try not to go in. Oh, that's my phone. It makes a weird Ooh, noise. I'm just going to hang up. You know, if it's Oprah, we can we can talk to her. I don't even know. <laughs> I would be okay no, with I, that. No, I screen Oprah oh. often. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she stalks you. So <laughs> when you made the yeah, jump yes. from Harper's to here, what yes. was that phone call like? Or From what was that email them approaching like? me or me leaving? Both. Okay. All. I um it was funny. That was a that's a big jump. Yeah. For I many mean, reasons. I had I was by the time I was as executive editor at Bazaar, so me and Glenda were, you know, quite thick as thieves and I was coming up with all these crazy ideas and doing all these portfolios and there was a lot of jobs within the time I was there. And then I got a call from the head of HR at Timing. And then right after that or around that time, Ariel Foxman resigned, left. And I was like, I don't know what she was calling me about. And then when he resigned, I went, oh. Interesting. Ooh. Um, and then I ended up going sort of on like a, ma- a mad round of speed dating with just like various timing poo bars. Okay. And so I did all of that. And then I wrote a memo. What which is memo like, say? I wrote a memo about what I can't even remember. But it was like so I sat in my, just what I think Instar could be. And actually I said what I boiled it down to. I was like, Instar actually has the greatest name it's in style so take it back to that right like take it back to like if you are in the magazine you're in style if you read the magazine you're in style like it doesn't have to be like harper's bazaar is a trickier name vanity fair is a trickier name and it's fine they stand for something now but i was like let's take this back let's distill it and so i made so anyway so i was like let's just we got it and we got to have to give it more it was very very nice but it was quite um sedate you know, and, and quite quiet. And I was like, okay, I'm going to really take its button, kick it. So, um, yeah, they hired me. And that was, I remember when they gave me my offer letter with the old head of HR, um, Greg Giangrande, a.k.a. The Jeej, who will appreciate this shout-out. It was summer. It was August. It was three years ago. And I just was like, 
And I went and sat. We were down here. And I went and sat just in the park on the grass with my little wedges. And I just went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, And then we had some, it was a bit tricky getting me over here from up there. But anyway, I got here. And Was it hard to tell Glenda being that you were so close? You know, it was crazy. She was away on vacation, which was not how I wanted to do it at all. Yeah. You know, and she was in like St. Lucia or something. Yeah. And I had to call her and like, we're really close, you know, and, and she just was like, brilliant. Like you're brilliant, you know, and she was actually the, the the most, the most gracious of everyone at that company to like, let me go. Like she was like, you deserve it. I'm so proud of you. Like, you know, that's, she's really proud of like, she's really me, me and Christina O'Neill, who's the editor in chief of WSJ. Christina and I came up together at at Bazaar. So sort of the Bailey finishing school really. So, um, yeah. So then I started just about, God, about three years ago this week, I think here. Wow. I hope they're planning a big party for you. Nah. You know what my party is? <laughs> Sleep. No, my, I'm just like, my party is not having to go to any parties. Right? No, I just got everybody wildly drunk for our celebration of our September issue. Oh, so it was great if you didn't even make it in the next morning. <laughs> I was so proud. You're like, yes. I just hassled them all. Day. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Can you not make it? Can I have an update on blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, three years later. So how do you sort of foster community here or deal with staff or alcohol? No, um, the I where think, is I don't see your alcohol. Oh, it's cabinet. all in the drawers. Oh, okay. It's right behind you. Hide your it. Sister. Okay. It's everywhere. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think when I got here, I'm not that sort of person that is like I call I call it the BFM, the bad fashion movie. Like I don't act like I'm in a bad fashion movie. So I wasn't going to come in and go. I'm bringing in a bunch of cool people, and you'll have to get out. Like, I'm not that freaking guy. I'm an only child. I'm a bit of a pleaser at the end of the day. So I just was like, okay, guys, uh, I'm going to do all this cool stuff. Who wants to do cool stuff? And the ones who I, I loved, I call the sunflowers because they go, oh, we can, we will. Sorry, I'm, I'm being a sunflower. You can't see, but just imagine. Anyway, <laughs> and um, and I could tell that they were up for being challenged more than they were and more being more reactive and I would give them more ownership. And so it was like, I mean, we have... Obviously, breaking news, it's been a bit, we had a whole company sold and a bunch of stuff happening at Timing. So I have a smaller staff than I than I walked in to. But everybody um, just rallied. And, and, and that's the thing. If everybody knows they're here to work and to do a good job, but what's been great is just seeing sort of the, it's a very corporate term, but like the, the wins we've had or the, like, the photographer that we've never worked with that showed up for us or the actress or just all of this stuff, this this magazine is world's solar systems away from what it used to be and the, the people that show up. And, and so people feel real, my team feels real pride. And they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, we did that. And they get a little hustly, a little shoulder. Now I'm shaking my shoulders. Like Hillary Clinton when she did that good, had that good point in that debate that time. Anyway, <laughs> and I was like, oh. So they kind of, we're all propelling each other. Yeah. And we also, we don't have any fluff. We don't have any room for want any desire for drama where I have n- we have none here that's like fantastic zero um because we're we're too busy we're just nice people like everyone says your team is is great and I know and and we laugh and we we show up and I, I look I expect my photo department to produce a shoot well and on budget and if I can't go to do what I would want of course but I don't micromanage either I don't I don't go I mean I have I most of the concepts come from me at least for now until I become exhausted but um I don't see that happening yeah I want your energy reserves. Since the I moment worked, we I first met, this morning, we had three glasses of rosé. Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. I've never touched the stuff since. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been like, a yeah, for a while it was like turning around a cruise ship. 
which, which was quite slow because it was a large, large ship. And now we feel we're much more nimble. You're and a speedboat. We're a speedboat. And I think in the, in compared in our industry, we, we are. I really feel that. And I'm not even being like big ups in style. I just feel there's a lot of passivity and fear and lack of imagination out there. And it kind of freaks me out because I'm like, I'm a fan of magazines. I want magazines to be great. Yeah. You know. So what do anyway, you tell? So what I do, do you, what I can. <laughs> what do you tell the uh, the youth? The youth. Yeah. Yeah. What do you um, tell them to stay hardworking and not yeah, show up? Uh, yeah. Intern, like intern, intern, in, intern. Um, just get to where you want to be. Get physically near where you want to be. And 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 for interns, I always say, get the lunch. It's not like a diva get my lunch. If I'm in this office, I'm stuck here. It's like I'm running a deli. People are in here every two minutes. I've never had an unwatched meal at my desk. Like I'm just eating my chicken and everyone's watching. But if an intern like brings me my lunch, they actually get more time with me than anyone would otherwise. Like there's, I see my awesome intern Kathleen out there more than half of the office, more than half the office. So, So it's not that sort of faux, sincere, like be humble, you know, it's not like that, but it's just like show up and, and, and be up for it and get to uh, near where you want to be. And I do think that if you've got this sort of job in your DNA, you won't have to write a list or you won't have to be like, I need to do that. You won't have to force it because this is a sort of industry that you just have in your gut so you don't. Right. You know what I mean? You can't really learn it. You want to be part of it. You want to be you're curious about the next thing. You want to go to the the show or the art exhibition or the movie or the new Netflix series or whatever. You want to do that. And so if you're going to not be sort of hungry for it, it's not really the place for you. Totally. So I had an interesting conversation yesterday where the woman I was interviewing was like, you know, with entrepreneurs, like there's all this talk about your personal life and your Mm. work life. And a lot Mm. of people do that because some people are just clocking into their job. So they want to have that separation. But as an entrepreneur, it's your job. It's it's your passion. It's all mingled. I have a feeling that you approach this as your entrepreneurial self. Yeah. So what is your personal life and do you have one or is it just all one big soup? Um, I think, look, the good part about, you know, I moved to New York uh, to be in this industry in a weird way because it was a lifestyle choice. Like if my, li- if my lifestyle choice was to uh, be at home in Sydney and be able to go to the beach every day and ra- raise a family and that is unbelievable and won- wonderful and very, I would have done that. But I came here because all the things happened here. So that was already part of my life or right. part of my personal life. Um no, I, uh, yes, I do have a personal life. I just got, in, oh, got engaged about eight months ago to a delightful mm-hmm. man um, called Brandon. No, he, I think that as, you know, when you're younger and you're hustling everywhere and you want to go to like. Everything. Bungalow 8. Remember that? Marquee. Uh, Marquee. And you want to you want to go everywhere. I think as you, one, you get older and you get more established, you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're also like, I don't need to. I say, I sort of have a joke. I say I have liver credits. I'm not going to like go and waste my liver on like some dumb party or dinner that I don't want to go to. Credits. Yeah, I'm I want, stealing that. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to use liver credits with my friends or my, you know what I mean? Or like people I really love or so I don't, I'm not running around to, I mean, obviously during the fashion weeks, I have to go to more, but I, I very rarely go to fashion events, yeah. you know, especially in, in New York because I've, I've done it and people know what I produce. If you want to be part of install, it's very clear. It's on stands and online every day. And I just, I feel like, the industry needs to work on that sort of idea of obligating people to show up to places like it's the 1950s. You know, it's just like we don't have to do that. So that's why because people have families, because people have three kids or and they need to take care of themselves. So it's all 
that needs to be respected as well because it's a very, very challenging time in what we do every day for a living and sometimes you just want to, like, go home. But it did take me a while to sort of – I've had various my, – some of my former assistants, I'm like, yeah, I can do that thing. And then at the last minute, like, I can't do the thing, you know, because I'm I'm just exhausted. And now Sid, my assistant, is great, but I'm just like, are you really going to do that? And I'm like, I'm going to do that. So it's a ma- it's a matter of managing myself and having somebody help me manage myself. Totally. But I instituted that with mine. I said, you need to check me when I say yes to everything yes. because then I regret it. And the hour before I have to go or you whatever, want to die. I'm like, why did I say yes to yeah, this? And yeah. she's like, you, you said yes. You told me to RSVP yeah, you. yeah. But this, I also like when I'm home, and because I travel so much, I want to be home in my house. Yeah. Like we had a weekend. We've been running around all summer, but we had a weekend at home weekend before last, and I was like, right, I'll have I'll go out for dinner with my friends two nights. I'm inside. I'm going through the kitchen cupboards, and I just was like, but it made me. It makes me feel more. Ground cheesy earth or something like yeah. like I've got my my house together I like I bought some new orchids and I and, and put a new candle like some whatever bullshit but like it makes me feel like I have a, a, a springboard that then I can then just jump off and if that's not kind of right I get anxious totally yeah so I have two last questions oh, for you on. just two mm. there's a good one though but I really want it to be a powerful one. Oh shit I asked all my <laughs> guests what is something we'd be surprised to know about you um, it can be embarrassing, can be non-embarrassing. No, I think my, I come from a, a family of dairy farmers. I love that. Um, I come from a family of dairy farmers. Where? In Madison, Wisconsin. <gasps> no, the cheese place. Yes. My dad went there once to the to cheese festival. Whatever it's called. Did he eat cheese curds? Probably. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> my my dad was... Um, a f- my dad and mum met on uh, in the country. My dad was... was he's, he's up in the sky now, but he was a dairy farmer, literally Farmer Brown. So he farmed dairy. Uh, my sister uh, is a dairy farmer. Every morning she gets up at, Jesus, 4.30 or 5 o'clock and milks cows every day, twice a day. She's a total legend, lives in rural New South Wales and is the greatest. And all of my, you know, my I don't have any um, sister brothers on my mum, me, so all my extended family are come born of a farm. Love that. You know, and I was crappy at it. Like I was, when I was in like high school and I was trying to be glamorous all the time and I was like, I'd go visit my dad at, like, the Royal Easter show, and he would literally sometimes just be, like, taking a nap, like, on a cow. Like, the cow would be, like, napping, and dad would just be, like, I'm reclining on a cow. Just imagine. And and I'd be, like, how much can you, like, if the cow wins a prize, like, how much can you sell it for? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm literally in my heels, like, wandering around all this cow shit. And, like, yeah, so, uh, but I do, my, my, my farming, my dairy farmer family, they're legends. Love that. Legends, as we say, it's a bloody legends. I'm going to try the milk when I go to Australia. Just want to let you know. Yes. Let you know it's how it all tastes. ours, every single part. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question for you is any advice you'd like to pass on, whether you learned it mm-hmm. and it was valuable or someone gave it to you and you just think, you know, um, it's worthwhile. I, yeah, I think my, I, I say this a lot, but I do really believe it. Um, I always say underthink it. Nothing. Has anybody ever overthought anything and gone, God, that worked out better? Never. I hate overthinkers. Oh, squirrely in your head like no 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 just like if you're where you're meant to be professionally and hopefully we all find our way or those of us who have the the option just your gut's a wonderful thing you know what I mean just be good do good work be kind good things happen to good people go to bed at night knowing that you weren't a dick to anyone you know and then get up again do it again high five I'm I'm so basic (laughs) thank you thank you thank you That was Laura Brown. To find out more about her, you can follow her at Laura Brown 99 
or just pick up it in style. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Superwomen. <laughs>